What's up, guys? At Evolution.org podcast coming your way. Steve Smee and Rick joining you from the Evolutionary Headquarters. How's it going, Rick? Hey, what's up, Steve? What's up, guys? How you doing? So uh, we just want to say, first off, anyone out there, Hurricane Dorian, um, hopefully everybody uh, stays safe out there and, uh, you know, hopefully uh, the, the storm stays offshore so no one gets hit. Are you so making some uh, hurricane preparations, Steve? Oh, yeah, bro. Yep. Hurricane prepare preparations from florida up to north carolina even virginia might be um so affected so yeah you got to prepare it's a big pain in the ass but it's one of those things uh you got to prepare so help out your neighbors guys but uh yeah um so let's get into our topics guys we have six really fun topics and we talked about these in the pre-show and rick um you know rick suggested we definitely talk about the first one, which is do steroids burn fat? Because we get a, t- a thread every day on the forums with guys who come on who are overweight and they want to take steroids to burn fat. So let's talk about this. I mean, Rick and I have 40, 50 years of experience on these forums and with steroids and researching these, these compounds. So Rick, let me ask you point blank. When you see a thread like that, you see an overweight person come on who's 300 pounds and he wants to run steroids to burn fat, what pops into your mind? Yeah, the, the last thing you should be doing if you're overweight is taking steroids. If your uh, body fat percentage is in the high teens, you stay the hell away. It's just, there's just no reason. There's some really core lifestyle issues that you have to deal with. Um, everything from just you know your, your eating habits to your daily uh, um, habits and with every aspect of it. So no, it's, it's ridiculous. You shouldn't be taking steroids unless you've got a good five-year run of good natural training and you are in the low teens um, as far as body fat percentage. Anything other than that, if you can't get there naturally, you need to just keep trying, keep working on your basics until uh, you have, you develop the lifestyle um, so you develop the lifestyle routine to, to get you there. But yeah, you need, in my opinion, a good five-year run of, of staying consistent in the gym and training naturally, along with low body fat percentage. If either of those things are missing, then you're not a good candidate to, to embark on the journey and, and choose. You're just not. Um, if you did it at some point when you were younger and then you fell off the wagon and just didn't, uh, didn't keep up, uh, Taking steroids should not be your entry back into into training, back into getting in shape. Um, Changing the lifestyle habits that got you out of shape to begin with, that's the entry point. And then once you've kept consistent for, uh, you know, for years, then you can think about adding the sauce, but not not at the beginning, uh, not if you're overweight. So I actually uh, did a lot of research on Anavar couple months back because I was asked to write an article about it and, and study uh, the fat burning potential. And there is some evidence that Anavar is one of those steroids that can burn fat. But let's say you're a fat person and you hop on Anavar, you're, you're really not going to get any results like Rick said. And the fat burning you get from Anavar is actually tied to a couple things. It's kind to uh, the fact that it binds to your TBG, which is your thyroid binding globulin. So that's going to help your thyroid work more efficiently. It's going to raise your met- met- metabolic rate and it could shrink your water and your cells a little bit. So that's going to kind of 
give the impression, yeah, that you're burning fat, but over the long term, is it going to make a difference running Anabar for four or six weeks? No, of course not. So what you want to do is use Anovar if you're running a cutting stack for sure, but you want to already be at a low body fat so you can really take advantage of what it can do for you. You don't want to just use it if you're fat. It's just really not going to make any sense. You're just going to basically be hurting yourself over the long run. You're going to strain your liver. You're going to strain your organs and you're going to shut yourself down and you're going to fluctuate your hormones to where it's, it could be counterproductive in the end. And then you're going to have to run a PCT, try to rebound and all that stuff. So you really, if you're overweight guys, you need to really sit down and reevaluate your lifestyle and you can get that turned around. It just depends on if you're willing to really change a lot of things in your life. If you go to someone's house, I can, I'm good at this. I can go to the grocery store, look in someone's cart and tell you, are they overweight or not? I can go look in their trash and tell you if they're overweight or not. I can go in their kitchen and look in their pantry, look in their freezer, look in their fridge and tell you what kind of condition they're in. You know, I'm good at that at this point. So really do the same thing. Open up your freezer, open up your fridge, open up your pantry and look at all the junk food you have. Look at all the processed junk you have. The first step is getting rid of that junk and bringing in good quality, whole single ingredient foods into your diet. And also, you know, you got to really start exercising, especially if you have a desk job. And we talked about this on the pre-show. I can tell you for me, I have a desk job. And what helped me a lot was getting a stand-up desk. I really think that that helped a lot for me because we're really not supposed to sit on our ass for 12 hours a day. And um, that's really killing us as a society. So that's why you see accountants and poker players and any job where you're sitting on your ass for a long period of time, they're all, they're all fat. And it's really, really hard to offset that. Anything else, Rick, you want to add? And for those guys out there that are training regularly and are, you know, in the low teens body fat and are going to take something, um, steroids really don't burn fat. They can help you protect muscle mass while you're losing weight. Uh, they, they can maybe make it feel like you're losing fat a little bit faster, but uh, as far as real actual fat burning, uh, it really comes down to your diet habits and your lifestyle. And if you're eating a, a caloric deficit and if you're eating clean, um, as far as fat burning, things that I've found that work, um, injectable carnitine seems to be pretty, uh, pretty decent right on the spots. Um, if you use um, GW, GW got me leaner than any steroid I've ever taken. Um, if you can find good, legitimate GW, I mean, it'll work really well. And again, we don't know much about it. We don't know what the real down the line effects of uh, GW are going to be. But if you're willing to uh, to try it and risk it, just give it a shot. I mean, it'll get you leaner than any any steroid you've ever tried. At least that it did with me. So uh, there's some value there for you guys that are ready to go. Um, it's uh, injectable carnitine too, man. It's easy to get. Uh, spot reduction. If you um, if you want to take some some over-the-counter supplements to enhance what you're already doing, spot reduction. Your hand flame is a good uh, it's a good cream for uh, different you know areas where you're having trouble losing fat. So your hand flame, um, and also Entuslin. 
Insulin is a great product to take before each meal. It's a nutrient partitioner, and it'll help you just uh, you know try to get as many of those calories into the muscle cells and, and keep in as many of those calories out of the fat cells as you can. So um, those are two good things to try as well on top of your cycle and whatever else you're doing. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and, and the nice thing about insulin, it's not a hormonal. Cardarine is also not hormonal, even though cardarine, you know, is sold as a SARM. It's not actually a SARM. It's a PPAR agonist. So uh, my girlfriend loves insulin, by the way, and she, she consumes that before her meals. It works beautifully. So a lot of you guys listening to this, if you're, you know, your girlfriend, they always want to lose weight. <laughs> they always are bitching. They want to lose weight. Grab them some insulin and have them take it before their meals. And they'll, they'll actually be really, really happy with it. And it's, um, it's a great product. So our next topic is leads into this as well. And this is another one. A lot of our female listeners want to know this. A lot of our male listeners who have wives or girlfriends want to know this. We get this question a lot lately. And the reason we get this question a lot is because of social media. And it's because of uh, nutritionists and stuff who've been giving a platform to um, educate people on nutrition and they may not know as much as they think they do. And the, the topic is intermittent fasting for females. So we already know intermittent fasting for males. We've talked a lot about it on the show. But a lot of people say, oh, intermittent fasting for females is not a good idea because it's not good for metabolism or it's not good for their hormones or it's not good for this or not good for that. And I've debated this on this podcast with a doctor and with a nutritionist who argue with me about this topic, but they couldn't give me anything concrete that was convincing. So um, Rick has been studying this for many, many years. So this is a great opportunity to hear Rick's side of this because you guys hear me, you know, on the forums all the time, but we don't get to hear much from Rick. So Rick, please enlighten us on if you think that these gurus that say that intermittent fasting is bad for females for whatever reason are fact or fiction. Um, my mom intermittent fasts. She follows a lifestyle. She does water fasting um, one or two days a month, a minimum. She, uh, I mean, and she feels great. Uh, she attributes a lot of, of uh, a lot of new health that she's found, um, a lot of healing that her body has done on its own. She attributes that to the lifestyle. So, and she's just one really close example. Every, you know, the the reports from people about how great they feel and how good they look from taking up the lifestyle of intermittent fasting. It's, it's the same on both ends. Both men and women report pretty much the same results. Uh, a lot of women that are trying to lose weight and they're afraid of their skin not being, not getting back and being tight, they find, you know, just straight water fasting with intermittent fasting helps that. So I just don't, it sounds like, something somebody just kind kind of says, but women who come onto the lifestyle and, um, you know, women who take up the lifestyle, they disagree. They feel great on it. And, uh, long-term, I just, I haven't seen, I haven't seen any difference in the reports of how people are feeling and the results they're having because of gender. It's really, I mean, intermittent fasting from everything I've seen works great for both genders and, and people report feeling great on it. So I just don't, I don't, I don't see any, any real evidence anywhere for that. 
I, one of the one of the theories behind being against it that I was, you know, debated on was they're saying women with low blood pressure waking up in the morning should not fast because they want to kind of eat something to kind of get their blood sugar up to get kind of their metabolism kick-started or fired up or whatnot. What do you think about that? Do you think that that's bullshit or do you think that has some merit? Look, if you have a, a pre-existing health condition, you have to address that first, right? But uh, most people, if you're healthy, you should be able to do well with just a, a jug of uh, black coffee, no sugar, no cream or any calories in it, just straight caffeine. And that should, should get you going in the morning. You know, you should feel real, really good off of that. If you don't take caffeine, then, well, again, you should address any health concerns you have before, before taking up a strict diet like fasting, intermittent fasting. Because some people maybe physically and medically can't do it. It's just not recommended. But my opinion, if you just give the lifestyle a chance, if you start off slow, if you start, you know, just uh, with a larger feeding window, you know, eight hours or something like that, and then make it gradually smaller over time, I think you have some success. So if you if you really have something pre-existing, but you wanna if you wanna still try try a lifestyle, talk to your doctor about it. Let them know what you're trying to do, and just start off real slow. Just ease into it. And if you feel bad, just eat. You know, uh, get back to your normal routine. Don't don't kill yourself over this either. Yeah, I interviewed Lauren Lockman, who's fasted thousands of people, um, and both males and females, and, and I asked them this question, and you're not going to find someone with less experience than this guy when it comes to observing people, and he told me straight up, he's like, listen, Steve, it, I have not seen anything different between a male and a female, so it works both ways. I would not prolong fast if you have existing heart issues. I would do short fast, three days, maybe four days. Don't keep it going because your adrenaline and your blood pressure is going to go sky high. When you're when you go into ketosis after day four, day five, it's it's going to be too much stress on the body. So, but gradually ease into it. Intermittent fasting, maybe a 16, 18 hour fast, maybe a 24 hour fast, maybe a 36 hour fast. Ease into it. Don't do a prolonged fast if you are not in shape. All right, guys, next topic is growth hormone facts and experiences. So let me first talk about it. I haven't used very much growth hormone. Um, I've pledged to wait on growth hormone until I'm older, but I have used it in like two-month spurts a couple times, and I can tell you that I did lose body fat on it, It's a, and I did have a boost in my appetite, and I did sleep much harder on it. Those were the three big things it did for me. Um, but some of the other things that, that ECH can do, it can help your brain function. It can help your skin and hair. Um, it definitely improves your sleep. You'll notice that even within the first week or two. It's going to boost your immune function. It's going to boost your sexual function. It, it will help your bone density and um, using it for two, three, maybe four months, you'll definitely start noticing the body fat improvements like I did. And then heart, it also can help with your heart. So those are the potential benefits of it. How much benefits you get from HGH, guys, is going to depend. If you are deficient in HGH, 
and you get on HGH, you will notice a big, big difference. It's just like being low in testosterone and then getting on testosterone replacement therapy. You'll be like, whoa, I feel so much better physically. And also with HGH, it can definitely help you with your memory. It can help your cognitive function. It can help your alertness. It can help you be more motivated. It can help you with even, there's some evidence with Alzheimer's and concentration. So it has a lot of benefits, guys. And um, it's really something that's really, really nice to use. And we're seeing a lot of people who are spending a lot of money to get HGH now from clinics and stuff. Um, but, you know, if you check out our forums, you can definitely like, you know, hit me up and stuff and I can help you get a, get a source for it. But yeah, it's really good. I think it's a good option for, you know, getting into your mid forties or fifties and sixties. What do you think, Rick? Have you, uh, what do you think about it? Do you plan on using it when you get older? I've used some HGH. I've used some growth hormone. Um, the growth hormone is really one I'm really strict on unless I can get human grade from a pharmacy like straight from a pharmacy, get chain of custody on, on, the, on those wafers, I'd rather just not use it. You can waste a lot of money on uh, fake growth hormone. And because you have, you have to use it for so long to get the effects, sometimes you might be two months in and not realize you had some, you've been injecting fake stuff. So when it comes to growth hormone, uh, the times that I have used it, I've been able to get my hands on uh, the sharing uh, growth hormone, the ones you load on the pen. And I've used it. I, you know, report all the same uh, things you reported, just skin, hair, everything. Just you, you starts to, to roll the clock back somewhat. But, you know, trouble is getting really good uh, human-grade growth hormone that's legitimate. You know, the, the wafers have to be handled properly. If the wafers are mistreated before you reconstitute it then you could have something that is not as potent. Also, growth hormone, you know, unlike, let's say testosterone, you know, the same testosterone hormone that's on a horse, on a cat, will work on a, on a person. That's why we shoot veterinarian steroids. Now, when it comes to growth hormone, each, uh, each animal has their own protein sequence. So uh, a protein sequence in a, in a horse uh, growth hormone will be vastly different from the one in a human. While you could use maybe testosterone off a horse on a human, you couldn't use growth hormone off a horse on a human. It just wouldn't, it wouldn't work. So it's real easy to, to fuck that up when you're making it. It's real, real easy for the manufacturers of the growth hormone to just mess it up. Um, it also has to stay at a, a, at a low temperature all the time. If it's allowed to, to get to room temperature, it'll start to degrade. And when you get it, you don't, really know or have any real certainty how good the, the chain of custody on and keeping it cold has been on, on that growth hormone. And it's extremely expensive when compared to, to testosterone. If you get slipped some, um, some fake test, yeah, right. It's not that expensive, but fake, uh, growth hormone, I mean, they'll get you. So I'm kind of waiting until uh, a few years and then I'll, I'll start going through a doctor and getting good human grade stuff. And I'm always certain I'm getting the right stuff. I just, it's the one thing that's so expensive and you need so much of it for so long to, to get good effects that I just wouldn't risk it being, being fake. Yeah. You definitely don't want to go and uh, buy cheap growth hormone that you see on some website or from China or something. 
And then like you take it and then you're like, you have to take like eight IUs a day just to get any results because it's so fucking underdosed. And a lot of things, times too, they, they actually use uh, other things like ACG in the ACH. So you do get some effects, you know, um, it's kind of like you get these, you know, some of the ACG effects, you might get a little boost in testosterone, might little get a boost in your, you know, your nuts, something like that. It gives you the impression, wow, this shit's working. But guys, there's a foolproof way to know if your HGH is legit. And that is blood work. You can go get your IGF-1 or human growth tested. Um, so what you would do is you can do a before and after, or you can just inject 10 IUs of it and go in um, an hour and a half, two hours later and get tested and see that did, did it, it should be uh, sky high. So that would be your evidence if it's legit. But um, yeah, you can definitely, does make a difference where you get your HGH from. Um, right now, I've noticed a lot from my clients who are using HGH, um, a good source, two IUs is damn good. I mean, they get some fantastic results on two IUs. And some other clients, they'll use four or six IUs and they won't be happy. So it definitely depends on where you're getting HGH. It really makes a difference. And one way to know if you've got HCG, right, whether you are buying HCG and that's what you want or whether you want to make sure that your that what you think is growth hormone is not actually HCG is a home pregnancy test. If you just uh, take a little bit of the constituted liquid and drop it into a home pregnancy test, it'll show a positive for, uh, for pregnancy. And that way you know if the HCG you are trying to buy is legit or if the HCG you're about to inject is actually HCG because what Steve said is right. They will, they will swap those out because um, the HCG will constitute just fine and you'll get some feelings from it. You get some kind of uh, changes from it. So it's a good way to, to fool someone into, <laughs> into paying a lot for something that won't do much outside of making, you know, making them feel different. So the next one's a really fun topic and I'm excited to talk about it because um, I mean, Rick and I are about the same age and we didn't kind of grow up in this type of society of, of the way things are now where everything is a high, you, you gotta be high. Like, like I noticed this too, like preparing Rick and I were talking about preparing for the hurricane. Um, good luck getting, you know, your kid to help you, um, board up the windows. Good luck getting, you know, any millennial to help you do that shit because they're, they don't want to do that. That's, that's work. You know, that, that would take effort, you know, and everything has to be fun. Everything has to be a high. So this topic is interesting and working out. Um, this is the new trend now in social media. A lot of these younger social media guys are talking about using mushrooms and using LSD and using, you know, all the stuff, even like DMAA, you know, they used to use that a few years ago before a workout just to get in a workout. So let's talk about this a little bit. And, you know, I don't want to first, I don't want to like dump on the, the younger generation because they're going to be, they're going to be, when they get older, they're going to, society hopefully will be much improved because <laughs> the earlier generations fucked up this, this, this world enough. Okay. With their, you know, with the wars and all this shit going on, but hopefully the younger generation is better. So I don't want to shit on the younger generation, but there is a trend. Okay. That we do see with the younger guys. And, um, especially the suburbanites, let's put it that way. And they don't, they can't work out unless they fucking 
get some type of mental stimulation to get in a workout. And it's very bizarre to me. So, I mean, Rick, do you notice that as well with these guys who are like, you know, 20, 25 years old? Uh, what, they won't work out unless they take a, a pre-workout? I've seen that. Yeah. Anything, a lot of guys are like that. Adderall. And like recreation they, drug. They can't well, even look, study without Adderall anymore. Yeah, I mean, it, it's troubling to, to see guys uh, taking, you know, LSD to go and train. That's, that's insane. And I mean, I've seen people uh, comment on this on social media, like you said. And um, look, it seems like there's something going on out there. If you want to partake in some rec drugs, I guess, guess that's all right. But if you're using those rec drugs pre-workout, that means you're kind of using drugs every day almost or, or many times out of the week. And it's not a responsible use of, of any kind of substance like that. You know, there, there are people that quote unquote party on a weekend or, you know, once a month or whatever it might be. But to actually incorporate a street drug into your just regular, which should be a healthy lifestyle, that's already something you don't, you don't want to do. And look, there's a lot of people out there that will disagree with me. You know, I have buddies that I, I roll with in jiu-jitsu and, and they like, you know, they like smoking herb before they, before they roll, you know, for the practice jitsu I guess that's all right you can smell it on them and it's fine but I just think that you know if you do some kind of street drugs some kind of uh, you know head drugs it should be kind of like a time and a place thing um, incorporating that into into training and look um, I think a lot of people suffer with their sleep with anxiety and they're not that's why when they're up in the morning they don't feel rested they don't feel uh, they don't feel good and um, that makes them overuse stimulants, things like Adderall. They get too many pre-workouts, too much caffeine. And um, that in itself then becomes a cycle where you need more of those stimulants every day to just make it through the day. So uh, definitely, I think a lot of people should look at their sleep and, you know, uh, maybe uh, get a, go into a sleep lab and see how well they're sleeping because I think there's a, a lot of folks are taking a lot more stimulants than they should when they maybe should address some some sleep apnea issues that they're not fully aware of. This is why it's stupid, Rick. And you can these guys can argue with you all you want. You're taking an upper when you wake up and then you're not able to sleep. So now what do you have to do? You have to take a downer before bed. So you take an upper when you get up and a downer to go to bed. Where is that leading you? What's the trajectory? You're basically going to not be able to function without an upper. You're not going to be able to sleep without a downer. That's not a good road to take, guys. Um, and we see this trend. It's become acceptable for guys to always need an upper before their workout and then need a downer before bed. They'll take some type of drug just to get to sleep. Like they'll drink a half a thing of NyQuil you know, I'm being facetious, but you know what I mean? I mean, it's, it's getting absurd in that to them, a Tylenol PM or whatever. You shouldn't need to take anything to get up in the morning. You shouldn't need anything to go to sleep in the morning. And if you're stuck in that domino of that spiral of nowhere, you have to weave yourself off of that shit as soon as possible and just try to go the natural route. So what you can do in the morning Okay. I don't drink coffee. Rick is a big coffee drinker. So what you can do, okay, eventually 
is a little coffee in the morning, okay? Plain coffee or plain tea, okay? That can be your upper. And then before bed, you can take some herbs, some natural herbs, like into sleep is a great herb, natural. You can transition to that and then slowly kind of wean yourself away. And that will get you out of that domino effect. This has been going on for a long time where guys are using uppers and downers and it's, it's not a good idea. And it sounds absurd that, you know, people use meth and cocaine just to function, but they, that's what they're doing. And, um, you know, we have to kind of get away from that. This is supposed to be a clean fitness is supposed to be very clean. Um, and you should live a healthy lifestyle because these uppers and downers are going, are most anti-aging things you can put in your body aside from, um, cigarettes and alcohol, obviously, but they, they really are going to take years off your life. And we see 40 year olds who look like they're 60 and we see 25 year olds who look like they're 45 because of this type of back and forth abuse. Anything else to add Rick before we move on? Just say no kids. That sums it up. That sums it up. <laughs> Just say no, man. That's it. Yeah. Plus, it's, it's a waste of fucking money. You're wasting all this money on, on, on shit, on these wrecked drugs and, and sleeping medications. You can use that fucking money on, on shit that I say going to help you. You can use that shit on groceries. You know? Med medication, medication should be the very uh, last resort. You should try to address your sleeping issues, anxiety issues, you know, probiotic balances in, in your gut, um, posture, your back. Um, diet. There's just a whole list of things that you can uh, be proactive about, and then you'll never need to be on on these medications at all. You know, if you're not addressing those those core key things, you'll walk into a doctor's office and they'll prescribe all kinds of stuff. So, um, you know, Adderall, everybody has <laughs> a damn prescription for it. Ritalin, stuff like that, and, and now um, and now with the decriminalization of marijuana, it's easier to get. So you'll see a lot of guys out there, man, taking Adderall in the morning to, to get through work and then smoking pot at night to get to sleep and working out in between. Uh, and some weekends, they'll add alcohol to those two. And it just becomes a type of lifestyle where, you know, you have a couple of uh, two or three or four mind-altering substances in your body and, you know, in any given week. And that's just not a, it's not a good way to live at all. I wonder too, like a lot of people, they're not motivated. Um, I noticed this, they're not motivated with their life. They just aren't happy with their job. They're not happy with their relationship. They're not happy with where they're living. And um, when that's the case, it's really, really hard to get up in the morning. I understand that because I have friends in that situation and their life sucks, you know? So try to get your life better guys. Maybe, you know, go to school, maybe try to pick up a trade or something and improve your job, get out of a bad relationship. I mean, there's plenty of fish in the sea. You don't have to be in a bad relationship. And then the third thing is move. I mean, if you're not happy where, where you live, move Rick, Rick, you know, Rick and I, you know, we move a lot. We've moved a lot over the years because it's nice just to start fresh somewhere, you know? So, you know, there's all kinds of options for you guys. All right. So, um, guys, we're moving right along. This is going to be a fun one, too. Ideal age for TRT. Rick, what do you think about this? We see this is another kind of ties into the last topic. I'm seeing guys who are like 20, 25 getting on TRT, which um, 
I mean, just boggles my mind because when I was 20 or 25, I didn't even know what my testosterone levels were. So, I mean, much less getting on TRT. It's just, it's mind boggling. What do you think about it? Yeah, I, look, they're, they're guys that have legitimate medical reasons to be on TRT really early on. They have, uh, there's a different things that could happen that could um, inhibit your natural testosterone production, even if you've never taken steroids. Uh, just, you know, conditions that could, that could come about. But uh, barring that, if you're just a normal, normal guy, normal testosterone levels, around 45, you walk into almost any doctor's office and qualify for, uh, for testosterone replacement therapy. And um, what is the right age? You know, it changes for everyone. You know, some guys feel just fine in their 40s, 50s, don't really need it. Maybe run a couple of cycles here and there, but they can come off and stay off and keep their gains and feel good. And then, you know, there are guys that as soon as they turn 35, 36, they start to suffer with you know, from low testosterone um, and can't get it up, can't make any gains, start to get fat. Um, so we, we've discussed this, Rick, um, yep. off air a lot of times. Tell us why you think more and more people at a younger age are having low testosterone levels, because I don't think there's any doubt that 20 years ago, there were um, the testosterone levels on average for a 30 year old were higher than they are today. And for a 25 year old higher than today, et cetera, et cetera. Why do you think what's been going on the past 20, 30 years where testosterone levels keep dropping? Give us there, the there's so many, there's so many things that could, that could be that you could research more and see if fits the issue that it's hard to put your finger on it. Look, contamination in the, in the environment is one. So, Environmental contamination is a, is, a, is a big one. The changes in, in diet, the modern diet, that's another one. The contamination in our diet, that's another one. Um, you know, we don't know what having a cell phone that's pinging back and forth with the tower all day in your front pocket next to your nuts, what, what that's really doing. Um, we might find out later on that it's doing some damage. We might find out later on that it's not. But there's just so many things now in our environment and just our day-to-day -day life that weren't there before that we, it's hard to know. It's hard to really, really know hot water and the shower. I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of things that could be, that could be affecting that. I think the environment is, is a good one. It's a good one to look at uh, plastics, um, which uh, when they break down, some of the chemicals in them can uh, mess with your hormone levels. Those are everywhere. You know, the oceans, Pollute it with them. Uh, they're they're everywhere. So, plastics are a good a good place to look. Uh, a lot of guys, uh, a lot of people, let their water bottles freeze and then get warm and then freeze. You're just doing stuff to that plastic to have it release more chemicals into the, the water you're about to drink. Just don't do that. And um, so that's that's a big one. But there, there's so many things. It's really really hard to put to put your finger on it. In my opinion. We, we, we know um, from fertility studies and we know from um, a lot of hormonal studies that vitamin E, boron, and zinc are vitamins and minerals that are necessary to produce healthy uh, amounts of testosterone. That's why you see in Intugenerate, it's a natural testosterone booster. Those three ingredients are Intugenerate. In, in and a lot of people don't even realize that they like to see these ingredients are like, they don't even realize why they're in there. So those three, if you're deficient 
you will not be producing as much testosterone as you can. You'll be producing 40, 60% less than you should. And why are we deficient? I'll add to what Rick said. Yes, it's the environment, the soil depletion. We're not eating enough fruits and vegetables, but even the fruits and vegetables that we are consuming are drenched in pesticides. And they're also grown in, in soil, which has been reused by corporate farms over and over and over. So the soil is very poor. If you're not re, you know, cleaning out that soil and it's not organic soil and it's not, doesn't have, you know, minerals in it, then it's not going to go into the food and it's not going to go in your body. And also gut, your gut, we've seen a huge spike in gut problems over the past 20, 30 years, IBS, Crohn's. I mean, this has become common. So gut problems too are a problem. And it's a, just a big domino effect. Once you get the gut problems, you're not going to be able to absorb your vitamins and minerals anymore. And that's going to lead to lower testosterone levels too. So it's just the perfect storm of issues. So the first thing you can do to get your testosterone levels up is clean up what you're eating, eat more organic, locally grown fruits and vegetables, and grass-fed beef also has a lot of vitamins and minerals. And also, guys, your gut health. You really have to clean up your gut health. And um, one of the best ways to get your gut health going into the right direction is fasting, doing some fasts. Um, I like to do probably a uh, five or 10-day fast um, every two or three months. And that really helps give your gut a break so your gut can, can you know, detox and, and clean itself out and, and heal itself. And then once you get your healthy gut, then you can start absorbing these minerals and vitamins a lot better. So I think, I think it's a big combination, guys. But yeah, we are seeing a very dangerous trend of guys hopping on TRT at a young age. So to try to fix the problem instead of just giving up and going on TRT because it's going to be for life. You don't want to have to take something for life. You don't want to be a slave to anything in life. You know, so... All right, guys, anything else to add right before we finish it? Uh, just a quick note on gut health. I'm sure we've mentioned this before, but uh, just a, a run of antibiotics can throw your gut health off balance. You know, can kill a lot of friendly bacteria and let some of the not-so-friendly bacteria get, get out of hand. So anytime you, you have to uh, take uh, antibiotics for whatever reason, make sure you then, after the treatment is done, take probiotics or even take probiotics during treatment to make sure that you have the, the proper balances of gut health. Look, I, I suffered with anxiety for many years of my life. And the only thing that just changed it is one day I started taking probiotics, something I hadn't done in, you know, for many years before. And the next day or two after I started to feel great. And people just don't understand how important it is to have just the right balance of, of gut flora. And I mean, your whole life will just change if you, if you just, you know, probiotics, um, dietary fiber, if you can take um, some uh, digestive enzymes before each meal, that helps too. But yeah, probiotics will change your life. Yeah. I mean, if you. I was going to say homemade bone, bone broth, that right there will get, will get your gut health going in the right direction too. But a good probiotic, prebiotic is called Sac Boulardi, which can be found at a health food store refrigerated. Don't buy it off Amazon. That's, that's my favorite one. What, do you have any suggestions, Rick, where people can get a good one? Refrigerated. Of these... head, head to the refrigerator. That's, those are the ones you want. You want the yeah. refrigerated ones. Most There's a lot of them out there. They're cheap. Yeah. 
Yeah, there, there's so many of them out there. They're cheap uh, to buy. Uh, I would just, you know, I would switch brands every month. You know what I mean? So you get a, a wide, uh, you get a, a lot of different uh, cultures in there. You get a lot of different, um, you know, little bacteria in there. You want the good ones uh, to help you out. And that's what you want to keep putting into your body because not just the antibiotics that we take sometimes when the doctor prescribes it, but your meat will have some uh, some trace antibiotics in them and they'll could throw off your, your gut health as well. So uh, probiotics and, and taking them um, often is, is important. It's just something you have to do. Look, it, cha- it changed my life. I'd say did away with my anxiety. I suffered with generalized anxiety for a long time. And uh, the only thing that just made the switch in a matter of like 72 hours since I, I took up taking probiotics with meals, about 72 hours, I felt like a different person. So um, it's that important that in, improper gut health can even affect your mood and the way you, you feel, you know, something I didn't, I didn't even think was possible before. Yeah. And, and gut health is something that we don't think about because as you know, in our, in our game of fitness, we look in the mirror, we see a bicep and we think, wow, we're in great shape, but it, you don't know what's going on inside the belly, inside the gut and inside the gut guys, you got a big bicep, you got big pecs, you're strong. You can bench 400 pounds over the long term, having a fucked up gut is going to fuck you up. It's going to catch up to you eventually. So you really need to take care of your gut health guys. And a lot of people fail to. So we'll talk more about this in future podcasts. Cause there's a lot of a lot of ways you can improve your gut, but we, we kind of, you know, the stuff we said is brilliant. That's definitely going to help you quickly. Last one guys, really quick. It's a very simple question. He wants to know, he said he never had a problem sleeping. He started using his first cycle five weeks into it. Now he's having trouble sleeping. So Rick, uh, we have a few minutes on this topic. I'll let you give your opinion on this really quick. Um, why, what do you think is going on with this guy and what can he do to get this improved? Androgens will throw off your uh, sleeping patterns because it, it shifts all your hormones, your cortisol, your testosterone, your estrogen. It just throws everything out of, out of whack and it's going to, to cause you sleeping problems. Some steroids are worse than others at this. You know, like I found Dianabol and, Trum- and Trembolone to be really, really rough on my sleep. Um, but, um, look, you can take some valerian root, 5-HTP, GABA. Um, we have all that in, in, in to sleep and that helps, you know, you're not, ideally you're not going to be on cycle all that long. And after you've been on the androgens for a while, your body adjusts a little bit and you, you usually would be able to get a little bit better sleep after your body gets used to it gets used to the androgens. Also, um, I found oral steroids mess with my sleep uh, more than, than injectables. Do. So that's something to, something to think about. Uh, and really just all you can really do that I've found is take some valerian root works great, GABA, 5-HTP, uh, melatonin, just a combination of those, and uh, get a good sleep. The only other thing you can do is just lower your dose, keep the doses you know low. Um, I'm one to propose that if you are going to use steroids, that you use the lowest amount you can. Try to, as a life goal, just stay under a gram a week. Nobody needs any more than that unless you're, you know, competing and winning trophies. Uh, you need to stay under a gram a week. And 
just lower your dosage. You know, it might take you a little bit longer to reach your goals, but at least you'll sleep, you'll sleep well at night. Um, so lowering the dosage helps too. And, uh, and taking natural ingredients is the only two suggestions I have besides maybe just don't take steroids at all, but they're, all of them are going to mess with your sleep, especially the beginning of the cycle and especially the, the oral ones and trembolone. Trembolone is just terrible for sleep. I think, I think too, um, you covered everything, Rick, for sure. One of the important hormones too is estrogen and, um, you know, get blood work done. See if your estrogen is out of control. If it's too high or too low, that can definitely throw off your sleep. And, um, if it is too high, you're going to have to, you know, check your AI, um, make sure you're on a proper dosage of an AI. If your estrogen is too low. You need to back off your AI because it means you're, you're running too much. So those, that, that all plays a role for me, lowering the dose, like you said, and also N2 guard that shit. I swear to God, if I'm on N2 guard, I don't have any problems on cycle sleeping, but if I run out, like three, four days later, my sleep starts getting disturbed because I, I really believe organs because our heart health and you said with the oral steroids, you sleep poorly. I think liver, liver is so important to your sleep as well. All your organs functioning properly can, can help tremendously with just your entire lifestyle and getting proper sleep. You feel bogged down. I bet you this guy didn't say this, but I bet you he's having trouble sleeping, but he's also during the day feeling very bogged down and very tired. I think there's yep. a connection. Um, That's exactly how it feels, especially if you're doing like Diana ball and, and trend together or something crazy like that, bro. Oh dude, you feel lethargic during the day. You just don't, don't feel like you're there. Um, coffee just makes you feel a little bit weird. It doesn't really give you that, that energy. And then at night you can't, you can't really fall asleep. It's the, it's the craziest thing, but yeah, that's how you, that's exactly how you feel when you, especially when you first start, if you're kickstarting with, with Dianable, um, and you get up there in those, you know, 40, 50, 60 mix, some guys will do, you'll feel lethargic during the day and then kind of restless, unable to sleep at night. It's just a terrible, terrible feeling. Yeah. And really that can be remedied for sure by lowering your dose. Like that's the number one thing you can do is lower your dose because less is better. Your body is telling you, Hey, we're stressed, you know, we're, we're too stressed out and you just got to ease up a little bit on the gas pedal guys. And even cut, you can cut back on your, uh, your workout, take a couple of days off from the gym, just let your body, you know, relax for a couple of days, go to the beach, just lay out in the pool or something, just, just relax. And, and you know, you'll be back, you know, you'd be surprised just, just giving your body a break, but yeah, definitely guys. Um, you can't go wrong with blood work and can't go wrong with lowering the dose in that situation. So, but don't let that linger, guys. If you can't sleep at night, your body will not repair. You will fucking just be wasting your time. So don't – it doesn't have to be like that. You can run steroids, be healthy, sleep good. So there's no reason to torture yourself. We see a lot of people just, just torture themselves for 12 weeks, and they, they can't sleep or anything. It doesn't make any sense. So. All right, guys, listen, we appreciate you guys listening. We're going we're gonna to try to get a, um, uh, more, more questions on the next show, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Hey, have a good one, Steve. Have a All good right, one, man. guys.